0: Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This episode is all about TV drama magic as directors Cokie Gedroyce and Jim Loach join Jessica Hobbs to discuss their acclaimed series "Save Me Too." Koki and Jim discuss collaborating with amazing talent, portraying a sense of community, and taking risks as a director. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome, Koki. Welcome, Jim. Um, First off, massive congratulations on this extraordinary show. I was completely blown away by both series. Um, I uh, wanted to just introduce Koki to people who don't know her. One of her most uh, recent films is How to Build a Girl, which uh, won the Fipresci Award at Toronto. It's on Amazon Prime. Please go and watch it. She's also directed uh, The Killing. Uh, the hour, Harlots, many, many other things, as long as, and 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 other feature films as well. Jim Loach is a extraordinary director uh, who directed Oranges and Sunshine, a very beautiful film. Again, please check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, Tin Star, Deep Water, uh, Victoria, um, and I and I believe an American film called A Measure of a Man, or has that changed its name to American Summer?
1: Uh, well, it was called American Summer in in this country, but I was we we, we knew it as Measure of a Man. But you know how when distributors get involved, things change sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. Well,
0: look, thank you both for taking part. Um, It's really wonderful that you are, and it's lovely for the members to be able to um, put faces to names. Um, And what we'd really like to discuss with you is your experience of making Save Me Too. Um, I wondered if we could start with um, perhaps jumping right in with what it's like to come on to uh, an established series, which obviously has a very strong world and voice uh, and what that was like for both of you. What made you choose to do the show?
2: Jim,
1: you go first. Cause you were the first director. Okay. I'll, I'll try and go first. Um, well, um, you know, like I'm sure lots of people here tonight listening, you know, will experience, you know, I was walking along Oxford street, minding my own business and, um, my agent called and said, you know, that, he, that the script was in and would like, like to read it. And I'd already known the show because I was in, i watched it in America and love, absolutely loved it, really loved it. And um, so we all know that feeling of you sort of minding your own business. And then suddenly someone says, would you like to win a million pounds? And you're <laughs> like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, then obviously went for some meetings, obviously then didn't hear anything for a few months. Um, and um, the reason I loved it was, um, I think, well, Lenny's writing. To be honest with you, I mean, it's like it's such an obvious answer, but um, the, the, the 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 characters he wrote and 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 their fundamental dilemmas and the, the community of people that of of people that he he wrote about, and I just straight away in in his writing just loved his his um detail and and empathy and and care and humanity and all all of those things really and that's kind of why i wanted to do it really
2: yeah i think Maybe. it was yeah it was the same for me really jim i mean i mm. i sort of was coming in obviously up second director on second season um so there's a certain amount of like um eating humble pie and going actually I can't come in and rock any boats and actually it's a show I really love like Jim said and um and also there's Jim in front of me making his mark as well so it's quite you know it's quite a sort of delicate position to be in but I've done it quite a lot in America and I really like being you know I like being in in the team I just like I like using muscle, that director's muscle in a way without the sort of, um, the sort of huge stress of setting up a, a new show and the, the huge responsibility, if you like. So, so I, I felt like Jim that, you know, it was like an, an enormous gift to do this, this show because I, I saw I saw season one. I really, really loved it. I thought it was incredibly, um, incredibly unusual, actually it just struck me as really, really original. It's the, it's the most subjective storytelling I've ever come across. You know, he, he writes literally from the sort of heart and the solar plexus, and he just writes this forward, linear, unswerving, singular vision of, of Nellie Rowe. And you have to sort of come on board that journey, you know, at your peril, and you can't jump off it, and and that's what really, honestly, just grabbed me. I just, I just so excited about that that POV shooting that POV really.
0: That's and and, and honestly, hats off to you both. It's wonderful, and to Nick who did the first series as well, because I thought it was yeah. a beautiful setup. And you, you've, what I love is I can see both your individual voices in the show, but the show has this kind of such a strong life of its own yeah. that I, I think it kind of sustains that. So I wondered if creatively you felt that um, it is always an interesting collaboration when your lead actor is also the creator and the writer of the show. Um, That can have its own challenges. Was that daunting to either of you at the beginning?
2: It it was quite tricky. Uh, Yeah, go go for it, Jim.
1: uh, um, Well, I'd be interested to hear your answer on this. I mean, my my um, for me. uh, Yes, I, I was concerned about it at the outset and and um spoke to the producers about it and and said look Lenny and I really should sit down and talk about this because it's it's not a situation I've been in in the past and I obviously you can imagine um it being difficult uh, a difficult uh, situation to navigate and um um and I have to say uh, it, it it you know we we it sort of melted away really all of those worries um i mean we we sort of made a plan right at the outset, you know, we went out for a drink and said, look, um let's have any script discussions offset all the obvious stuff you know um uh, of script discussions offset and when obviously when he's in character, he doesn't really want to be thinking about the overall story he wants to be thinking about that particular moment, all the kind of obvious stuff that we'd all think of but um, I have to say none of it, no rule that we made was, was necessary because he's just such a sensible, terrific guy that we kind of, um, it, 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 there, was, there was no issue there at all. Yeah. That was my experience of it.
2: Yeah, for me, for me, it, it, it was a little bit tricky because Lenny was um, really, really, I mean, had a huge amount of work on his shoulders and he'd written the entire season and was starring in it and was in almost every scene um, and driving it it's not just kind of starring is it it's like the motor the entire motor the, the whole thing is Nelly Rowe. and so just on on episode six we had this really butt-clenching kind of running up to the wire as he was writing acting not sleeping <laughs> and i was trying to prep and he he jim's right he's an amazingly collaborative person and um he just squeaked in and it was you know amazing um, episode six is kind of an awesome piece of writing um and so much of what he writes is so instinctive that um you have to let him have his process so i couldn't uh you know i couldn't with lizzie the producer none of us could sort of jump ahead or assume things because it's you know it is this utterly subjective singular storytelling that's only his and it's only in his head um but but um jim's right i remember nelly um sorry i always muddle their names lenny said to me that as nelly on set he is an actor he he's going to take direction from me and once we're on the set, I'm I'm running it. So he never kind of, I think once he said one thing about an actor trying to change a line and could we possibly stick to the original, that was one time in weeks of filming. So he's amazingly um, uh, respectful of, of us as directors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's very impressive. And it's, yeah. a, and it's the kind of the best possible world to work in like that, I think, which is great. It's... Mm-hmm. Um, also, noticeable how extraordinary the other performances are, not just yes. many, which is outstanding. But I found, I mean, I, I miss those characters as just as a viewer. I'm like, when are they coming back? I want to see more of them. Um, Jason Fleming is just extraordinarily moving and beautiful, and uh, such a kind of humble and quiet mm. and Gorgeous performance. I mean, Stephen Graham is extraordinary, um, and the young woman—I think I, I think if I wrote her name down—is it—is it Alice Beetham? Yeah, amazing, oh, just extraordinary. Um, and I really encourage anyone watching—if you haven't seen the show—please go and watch it. When people say, "Where are those actors like that?" they are all there. They are in this show, and they're doing extraordinary work. So please go and look that up. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about working with actors who um, are. Obviously, very have a very strong sense of who their characters are when you're coming on board as a new director. Is that something that you f- that you enjoyed and felt that there was room to kind of um push and shift a little?
2: Or was it, I mean, I'm sure it was different with each of them, but what was your experience like? Um, well, I just Jess, just picking up what on what you were saying, I mean, it was literally a masterclass in acting, it was fucking daunting going on that set. I mean they're the most amazing actors all of them yes. and it's like he's gathered together it, Lenny's you know at the sort of epicenter of this and he's gathered together people who just utterly love him and the material and so automatically immediately you're dealing with this sort of powerhouse it's like a masterclass in acting everywhere you turn and um, that was honestly the, the biggest joy for me because because I'd prepped my, my um, episodes, but I had no huge existential responsibility for this. Um, and it was so joyous to kind of really, really kind of drill into what it, was, what it was that I had to do with the actors on set. And that was that I had the space to do that. And yes, they had utterly kind of owned those characters and they knew them, they knew them utterly in their DNA. But I don't know what Jim felt. I, I, I felt that they, they were they're sort of consummate professionals, and they they loved a bit of a nudge, and they loved a bit of an experiment. And if we had time, we'd we'd improvise a little bit round something, or I'd block a scene and just let them play, and that honestly was just a joy.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting hearing you because it it's it, so when my in my feeling was exactly that exactly as you say obviously for me it was slightly different because when we started they hadn't really visited those characters since it was quite a while maybe a year and a half maybe so um and we had like a week's rehearsal and and um you know you know rehearsing stuff from the script is as you both, I'm sure, agree. And many people, it's sometimes very stilted, and you're in a just a drafty old room, trying to imagine what it's going to be like, and it's not much help. And so we we improvised our way through incident or, or moments that we thought might have happened between them finishing the last series and picking up at the beginning of this story, and um, and and and, and then sort of reacquiring the clothes, you know, and the voices. And and as Koki says, they were. I mean, they're, they're all a they're a great bunch. I mean, they get on really well. So yeah. that's like a really good thing, you know. That that so you have a laugh, you have a really good yeah. laugh, and um, um, and there's no um. I mean, we the, the, the scenes that made me the most nervous or kept me awake at night were um, the pub scenes. Pub scene. we, Yeah. We all know like oh, when man. don't don't go near them because the actors get bored and uh, you know oh. and and it's a tiny little pub i mean it's 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 teeny weeny and uh, there's not room to swing the proverbial and uh, obviously as we all know you know get the camera in and da 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 and um but and also just the nature of uh, you know as everyone knows you know i mean a way to get through that might be to isolate all the little moments and then you can just bring people in and then send them off and um but of course, even if we, you wanted to do that, this, the nature of the scenes wasn't that. It was sort of um, a very communal. That's a whole point: community, everybody chipping in on everyone's conversations, and mm-hmm. so there was no way. There was no easy way through. At the start of every day, I just said, "Look, I, I can't sugarcoat we this. We're all here for the whole day, so we're just going to have to rub along and um, you know and get along and uh, and and they're brilliant in that, you know." So they were super daunting those um pub scenes.
2: Because he because the as Jim says, they they kind of, you know, the characters finish each other's sentences and collide over each other and um Mm. and also there's a sort of I mean I that's what I loved about it, there's such a freedom in in how you block all the scenes and how you catch moments and you know, quite often what you need to be looking at is not the person talking obviously but the stuff that's going on around and behind and Mm. and just being free and alert to catch it all was really really complicated I mean it was some of the most difficult stuff I've ever directed actually just to to sort of yeah to catch the right flavor
1: yeah yeah it's it's complex because it's it's complex because it it when it works it looks easy doesn't it I mean we all know it we we've all been there and you. It, it looks easy but yeah. it's the hardest thing god it's the hardest thing yeah it
0: really is and also you're trying to tell you know there's a there's a thriller a mystery at the heart of yeah. it so you're also trying to keep all of those threads in the air yeah was, was, the, was the writing um incredibly detailed So say, say for example you know one person picking up someone else's sentence or was that something that you were or did you kind of meld that into the way you were choreographing and working with the actors on set particularly in those you know very challenging pub scenes
2: i found i mean i found that actually it was quite um he was very clear about what he wanted jim did you did you find that in yeah. terms of overlaps and 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 very specific he's got a vernacular yeah. you know lenny is that the right way of explaining it he's got his own
1: <laughs>
2: flavor of language and ways of the characters kind of express themselves and all very different and and it was so specific, you know, Jess, I I, I felt really respectful of the text. So even though you have this really, really kind of free, sort of seemingly free, wheeling, overlappy, kind of unstructured scene, you know, composite scene, I I felt really quite strict about keeping to Lenny's writing wherever possible.
1: Yeah, no, I had the same experience. It It was really quite precise in the script Ooh, but okay. and normally that would make you nervous but with with Lenny I have to say it didn't and and we did a bit of a little bit of improvisation around it but as Koki says it was it was quite precise and mm. and it was not a quick read the script I have to say because quite often people would be answering questions from two or three speeches ago <laughs> you know and written in the <laughs> and you'd be like yeah yeah awesome. Yeah. Of like, what, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And um, and 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 the overlaps are written in a very particular way, and and, and in a way you, you can never totally replicate that in real life, can you? But the sense of it, yeah, it was pretty precise. Um, and 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 as Koki says, I mean, Lenny's dialogue really was great, I have to say. It's and fun. And you know, cool. so in that sense, it was very. You know, there there weren't any days where I went in where I thought, "Yikes, we're going to have to dig something out here because this this fundamentally doesn't." You know, we've we've got some holes below the waterline on this scene. (laughs) That kind of feeling. I didn't. I was didn't. We didn't. I didn't ever have that feeling. I always felt this. I love this scene. It works really well. The dialogue really works. Yeah. So it was a nice
2: poetry in his writing. He's really poetic. And you know he's what I loved as well was how utterly unjudgmental he is yep. about his characters. And so we, as an audience, and we as filmmakers, you know, we're never we're never judging anyone. They're just it's and it's such a melting pot. It's such a melting pot of the messiest human beings in a Lon, in a corner of London. Millwall, to be precise, <laughs> was where we shot it. But you know, it's it's. It, but there's a poetry and there's a sort of dignity to it. It's there's, just, such, a,
0: there's such a warmth of community, yeah. and joy, and a complexity mm. um, yeah. that I think you know. There's, it, it's. I mean, I, I know it won the RTS award for best drama as it should, and got nominated for Baftas as it should. And I hope the second series goes on to be recognised even more because I think it's a it's an exceptional. Piece of work um, in terms of showing a particular um, part of London, and in a, a very—it's—it's it's, it's exactly what you. It reminded me of, um, you know, kind of early Shane Meadows work in the same sense that I yeah. really got the world I was in, and I felt very safe with, and I thought everyone here knows exactly what they're doing. But the respect and the humanity given to every single person, mm-hmm. even those people who were playing you know, very challenging characters for us to relate to, I thought was extraordinary.
2: Yeah, there's no, there's no kind of um, prurience, there's no voyeurism, there's no poverty porn, there's none of that. There's no, there's no kind of like, I don't know, I just didn't feel it was stereotyped either in any way. So, so, you know, you're on a, you're on a grim and so-called grim and gritty estate, but actually it's kind of full of joy and in interesting stuff. And there are yeah, there are difficult things that happen in the story, but it's there's a beauty to it, and there's a
1: yeah.
2: magic realism to it. I don't know. He's yeah. he's he's got a well, you know, it's we all we all did it together. Like the light that you guys got, the the times of day
0: that you shot some of those scenes, and the fact that you got them within those times of day, because you can, as a as a viewer who directs, you can kind of go, that light is really going now. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> but, I but you got it. And it's, 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 it's incredibly, feel, the veracity of it, you feel like you forget that you're watching a show and I think that's the real kind of transcendent magic of this particular piece. You just feel like you're allowed to be an observer in a community that welcomes you and you kind of sit in the corner and, and look at it as an audience member. And that, to me, transcended even what it was about, um, mm-hmm. even though what it's about is, is, is also incredibly important.
1: Hmm. Hmm. yeah yeah i mean it it, 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 it was um, times of day shooting outside is always a big thing, isn't it because um it's like one of the biggest things you can do is when you choose to do your exteriors, and like koki says i mean the the what was in the writing was a respect for the people and to allow them to be who they were, you know whether that is funny or surreal or or, and 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 that 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 um you know that was just a very important part of the piece I think was that sort of sense of community it was nice because it meant that you could they could behave quite badly you know because you kind of like them and they were fundamentally decent people but most of the time they're behaving really really fucking badly and that's what I really liked and 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 the sense that they're be rough with each other as well but when push comes to shove they kind of got each other's backs and um and that is a really nice notion to play with as well isn't it and it just leads into all the sort of choices you make if um visually and like as you say like outside the the light was a big part of that for me because it i'm sure for you koki because it 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 it, it expressed that community. Do you know what I mean? It, like it wasn't, it, obviously a lot of the time it was pissing down and grey, but like whenever there was the prospect of some shooting into the light and having low lights and stuff to yeah. find the optimism and hope and some decency. And that's kind of what it was about always. But as you say, um, shooting an ambient light in low light is um, is fun and games, isn't it?
2: Well, you you, Jim, you got the the amazing setting sun on the roof of the yeah. tower, and then I got up there like a month later, and it was just so it's grim.
1: Well, <laughs> you know what it's like, and it's so iron grey. luck <laughs> of the draw, because the the day before we were due to shoot that scene, the day before, or a couple of days before, and it, it was pissing down and all the rest of it, and I was like. And we're going to drop it we're going to drop it we're going to do it at the last chance saloon which was the following two days later it was the last opportunity to do it and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a palaver because it was on top of the tower block and you know that the health and safety team go you know, it really is all their christmases come at once isn't it and all sorts of committees were going on and gloriously um someone had lost the keys for the roof someone lost as far as I remember, some of the, oh, the keys were misplaced, so we couldn't actually get on there, and um, and anyway, we, we, we thought, okay, we're going to just be bold here and um, drop the scene and do it a couple of days later, and I thought, you know, it's totally in the lap of the gods, isn't it? You can either end up with egg on your face, and it's even worse, two days later, and you just have to press on and shoot or you get lucky, but that is, um, that's a director's lot, isn't it? It just, is, but yeah, I mean, it's
0: like, I mean, even when you talk about it being play it. and play, when you went up there, Koki. but it so suited the mood of where the story yeah. was at. I just thought it was such yeah. a deliberate choice. <laughs> <wouldn't you>?
2: Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, um, uh, d- um, Dave Pym was our cinematographer and um, he I think he just he just worked magic, actually in that that whole scene when the arrest of grace where she's on the top of the roof and everything's kicking off down below and we literally shot from day to night and you know it's really really difficult to to kind of do that and looks artless doesn't it and looks kind of real time but as we all know is is really hard to pull off and um dave pym is is just a wonderful cinematographer he's so he has such a lightness of touch he can, he can, he just looks in the right direction. He looks at things in a way, you know, he doesn't have to create it. He just finds it. He, he has an eye for that. So um, that scene actually, that whole kind of end of um, episode five, I think it is. Is it, or is it end of four? Yeah, I think five, it's five, end of five yeah. Um, it just, to me that kind of the, yeah, the iron gray and the dark looming clouds, and then the light just disappearing, is, is sort of heartbreaking and kind of extraordinary.
0: Oh, it's mm. beautiful. She, she kind of goes, she almost goes into shadow, the last thing we see yeah. of her before they yeah. come out. It's really, yeah. yeah. I, thought, I mean, I, I, one of the things I really noticed in the show and I absolutely loved, um, and I wondered how, how much of it was written in and how much you read it was, there's this sense of all these background players who were so brilliantly funny <laughs> and alive, I mean, I know there's the naked guy who's always howling, but, you know, there are people playing football. There's, the, there's a, a woman in a um, full burka at one stage just smoking a vape. And there's just there's all these beautiful details, like laugh out loud stuff. And I think, oh, no, I have to be paying attention to the scene. The layers <laughs> and the complexity and the depth that you brought to the screen, I just thought was, and was that a
2: deliberate choice throughout the show? It was something yeah. instinctively that Nick did in season one. And he, he's, I think they started off with a mixture of um kind of documentary footage so so people that they just saw doing amazing things and then it became it sort of was woven into the to the story so by the time we came on board, they were written in but actually right. we also i don't know about you jim but i I caught some real folk as well um because people are just way more interesting than than yeah. Than yeah, yeah. background artists necessarily deliver. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Actually, the
0: question just come in, which I think is, which is, really probably a good thing to ask at this time. It's it's from Paul Wilkins, and what he's saying is, could I could you talk about what you felt each other brought to the show? So, Jim, what did you notice that Koki bought in her work? And Koki, what did you notice that Jim bought in his work?
2: I'll start. I'll start, and I'll I'll start compliment you, Jim. Um. I, I thought that jim um caught the baton from season one brilliantly uh it's really, really not easy to do um and it for me the the key thing was that sort of powerful singular forward momentum you know that that Nelly Nellie Rowe has at the center of the story, and Jim picked it up and just powered forward um and I think you 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 brought a real um well, you obviously talk about the dignity of the characters. And I think you brought a real honesty and dignity to it, you know, where where in a way our feelings about the characters from season one may be complicated, but coming into season two, there's a sort of, oh my God, they're my old friends, you know, I'm fine. This is, this is going to be fine. You know, it's a very difficult thing to do that.
1: <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting hearing you talk. Cause I, 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 I was worried. I was, bit worried about it because I really loved it and I, I I said to Nick just before I started uh, well for the football fans amongst us I said that I don't want to be come in and be fucking David Moyes or Alex Ferguson and um and <laughs> and he was like no it'll be fine and um it, it it's hard it's it's interesting isn't it it's hard because also directing exactly as you say and which I like too. In a, in a, you know, in a film, it's completely on you and you can just accept that it's, it's, it's on you, good or bad. And in, in, in something like this, you're much more obviously part of a team and you, you, you're doing it because you, you like it. You know, we, I, we, we, I, I loved what Nick had done in the first season and you sort of want to honor that and be truthful to that. But at the same time, you can't help but do it. It has to come from the gut as well, doesn't it? I mean, you can't sort of pretend something you're not. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. It, it, it has to be in you, and and you have to go with your yeah. instincts and your feelings about it, and and hope the two sort of coincide. And and I feel actually, because I think as the season went on, I think. Um, what really emerged was a, a, the, the thriller part of the story really came to the fore and and it, it, the energy sort of really sort of picked up. And I, that's what I, I really admired. And I really admired the way that it could do that, which is partly, obviously, Lenny's writing and then what Koki did. It, it, it can do lots of, that's what I loved about it is it can do lots of things, you know, where at one point you can stop the scene for sort of a joke, you know, and you're like, can we do this, do you know what I mean? Like we just stood around telling jokes to each other and then in the next moment you're dealing with the loss of a child and then you're you're really dipping into sort of more like a thriller, like a, a, a you know, and, and doffing your cap to the tropes of a thriller in an enjoyable way and, um, that 's a very rambling answer, but um, yeah that 's why that I felt in the in in the later episodes I felt that really that chemistry um, worked really beautifully that 's what I really liked and I, I kind of I just watched them like everybody else and I sort of read obviously when I was cutting mine i I read yours, koki, and Lizzie was taking Lizzie, our producer, was sort of taking the Mick out of me because she she kept saying, "You haven't read them properly, have you and there was a it was and I had read them, but it was because I also just really wanted to i honestly really wanted to enjoy them and and watch them you know like I wanted to be aware of things I needed to know to cut the three that I was doing, but um also really just enjoyed sitting and watching them as pieces on them by themselves i don't know if that makes any sense mm-hmm. ramble there but
0: it was lovely. And look, I, I, one of the things I really noticed, Koki, particularly in those, in the the back end, were and I found deeply moving was um just the time that you gave for Saran to look at her daughter. Mm-hmm. Just the kind of space that you gave, um it's gonna make me cry even talking about it, but there were there were um I found that um mm-hmm. but both of you, about but particularly in that back end is is that even though the the thriller part of the story really did ramp up. What I found so um, extraordinary was the level of observation and the space that we were given it, despite the fact that we were in this very fast-moving story. And it's like someone said to me years ago, I was doing something set in a war zone, and they said, just remember that people still laugh when they're in, you know, wars go on for a long time. And it was just one of those great pieces of Mm -hmm. advice where you just, you can get very, um, you can set things at one tone. And, Mm -hmm. And I think for this, even though it's got all those tropes of being a thriller, life still goes on. They still have to survive. And I really noticed that coming into the beginning of the second series, 17 months later. And I kind of loved the fact that we were given the time to sit in with them, despite the fact we knew this
2: massively unresolved question. Yeah. I, was still, still yeah. There. I um, In the second half, I really loved the fact that I had the kind of thriller ramping up, but also... Um, that I hope this is not a spoiler to anyone who hasn't seen it, but it becomes the story of two daughters. And um, my little personal kind of challenge and quest for myself um, secretly, (laughs) although I did share it with Lenny, obviously, and Lizzie, but, um, you know, was to, um, yeah, was to, to sort of see the things in those characters that just sit between the lines and absolutely give time to things like the... Uh, Again, spoiler alert, but the you know the kind of the whole um, uh, inspection, uh, medical in in examination that young kid has, and you know I um, Simon and Jessica Simon Heath and Jessica Sykes were our execs, sitting in the room, and they were so brilliant to let us allow that that scene to last that long. I mean, on the page it was I think it was two eighths of a page, and I think it goes on for to nearly 3 minutes which is sort of unthinkable and they said yeah you, you know we fought hard for it and they they said yeah it, it 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 warrants this time on screen so you're absolutely right Jess it's kind of like that that keeping your thriller kind of balls in the air but also allowing the humanity to be really really utterly painful and utterly joyous in the way that the writing is is telling me you know yeah
0: and I just, yeah, the complexity of all of that was, was mm. so amazing. Um, do you think there is, um, I mean, obviously, did you both talk to Nick who did the first series?
2: I didn't. No, I didn't. I, no, I, I felt too humble. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I noticed what
0: I thought was lovely when I was looking at that, because you started in documentary too, Jim, didn't you? And so did Nick. I think he started in news as an editor or um, and mm-hmm. i and i, I thought the, those eyes that were coming in I thought it was such an interesting choice on lenny's part and on and on um the part of world mm-hmm. productions and the people who were choosing directors for the show I thought it was yeah great care and great respect taken as to who would be right to fill those shoes i think
1: mm-hmm. I mean the thing about um documentary the the great thing it well it's the thing that I took from it that i i find really useful is the discipline that um obviously in documentary only it's going to happen once <laughs> you know and you can't do it again and so you either get it or you don't and um and for me personally i, I find that a very useful that, that's the, the the thing that i take from it that i find useful in drama is is you know like we it can easily can't we have a, a feeling that where you just do it again you just have another do another take and it It'll you know, it's it's replicable, if I can say that yes. word. And um obviously in documentary it's not and and, and I I kind of don't like that feeling. I like to think every every time you do it, it it's just its own thing and it, it may be better or worse, or but it's gonna be different. And so um that's what I took from documentaries. That and and a long time sitting in a little van yes. with no prospect of lunch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was it like for you then when you got, so you had that time on set and, in fact, one, um, one of the pan, um Adam Young, was just asking whether Lenny weighed in with notes or thoughts in regard to directing certain scenes. But for, I think from what you've both said, he really kind of let you lead that and let you do that. What was it like though? then when you got into the edit? Because that's, a, that's a, 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 you know, as a director, that's a new stage of nervousness of were you, did you feel you were given quite quite a lot of time to um Get to a cut where you felt comfortable with it before you then invited him and the others in? Were you given yeah. space?
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my episodes, from what I remember, um, were very long. Like we had a lot of stuff. Um, and yeah, they were a good 20 minutes, 30 minutes over, I think, the required running time. So straight away, you've got a lot of choices to make. And um, but, but, um, yeah we we honestly we i mean it, it sounds like we're sort of um saying it you know because being polite but i have to say genuinely um it was uh, it, it um it, we we sort of found it in the edit in a very collaborative way with no worries at all and it it, it would just sort of get better and better and um and we had That's some stuff
2: that we. Did you, oh yeah, <laughs> did we had. You? We had some. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I remember. You, there's always some things that you lose, aren't there? That you think, oh, but. I, I don't. I, I yeah. I'm never that fussed about cutting kind of stuff out. To be honest, I quite like it.
2: No, or, and I, I mean, I I really like kind of um sort of creative tussles. I like I like the getting stuck in and just. And everyone arguing their corner and arguing quite fiercely for something. Mm -hmm. I think then, you know, you sweat it out, don't you? And you know, actually, well, these things are the things that are going to survive. And Mm -hmm. um, especially with episode four, we had quite tricky thriller things, thriller beats to actually nail. And quite a lot of the discussions was about that, really. It was just like, you know, it's quite a complicated weaving Mm -hmm. narrative through the centre of it you know and um touching base on things that had happened even in season one that hadn't been revisited at all in Jim's block which we had to then pick up and so yeah there was some yeah some kind of tricky tricky moments and and Lenny was rewriting some things for ADR you know that just so that we absolutely made sure the audience was on side and knew what we were talking about at certain yeah. moment but um but yeah Jim yeah you're right yeah. it's it's yeah joyous ultimately always because it's like it's a great show and it's all good material
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. um questions coming through for people if that's this is fantastic yeah. too guys thank you very much Fuck. um uh emily james is asking um if you could just talk a little bit about perhaps some of your pre prep you know your pre-shooting prep and how much you might have had before you came set and I that you know did you storyboard how much did you kind of try have a real plan of what you wanted to do or say for example in the pub you know you're, you're both very experienced so I imagine that you ha- you have plans that you're then able to throw away because you can run with things on the day but if you could just talk a little bit about that.
1: Tim? Um, well I, I, I don't I mean I didn't storyboard anything on this I, I sometimes I do but I mean maybe for an action sequence or stuff like that obviously sometimes storyboards are useful aren't they but like most of the time I find them really freaking pointless, to be honest with you. And I like, they're, you know, really, I mean, so definitely not on this. I mean, but I just, I, I, I kind of know the sequence I want to shoot to be honest with you in a, in a very, very clear way uh, in my own head. And I usually have it written down in a sketch and, I see it in my own head, you know, really clearly. And then, and then, as as Koki says, you know, so Dave, Pim, the, our DOP, we um, would just sort of, we would talk through certainly where the first shot would be, where the widest shot would be, what principally, which way we're looking, you know, really basic stuff. And what the sequence, what the kind of, for me, I'm not going to ramble too much. For me, like the really crucial thing is, um, what is what is the key thing we need in each scene. Do you know what I mean? What what is what's it about and what is the moment that we're trying to get? And whatever else happens, what what's that? And um so yeah, so I, I kind of I, yeah it's sort of it, it just is in my head really. And then and then as you say it changes a lot on the day too. But weirdly not Quite often, not that much in a way. Then it's sort of just a Machiavellian way to make sure that no one ever thinks that so you're shooting what's in your head, but it's just, it's what's there on the day, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> so for the actors, sometimes it's good to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm being facetious in a way. I mean, obviously you do what happens on the day, but you, you, you have the sequence in your head for sure. Of course. Yeah. And Koki, how do you work or how did you work on this? So I, I
2: storyboard everything. I'm the opposite to Jim. I st- I, I, that's, how, that's my process. I have to sit with any project I do, however kind of verite it is and however loose and mobile and instinctive it is. I sit um, in, this, in this shed, which is the size of a queen-size bed, my office, and I, um, I, I have to go through this horrendous process of drawing it because it's my way of sitting and visualising everything and I know how tired I get on set and I know how knackered I am by the time we're filming the last days on the last episode and I just love to come revisit this thing that I've drawn because I remember things I remember good ideas or my god some you know maybe we'll try that ladder shot here or some you know maybe I don't know maybe I won't start on the wide in that way and 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 actually, chances are I'll be way beyond forgetting what they were. So, so I draw it all, and it's like a little cartoon, and it bursts out of the boxes, and it makes no sense to anyone but me. It's um, it's just my process. And actually, on this one, because um, we had the big chase at the end of episode six, I was I was drawing really, really fast, and it's it was so freeing because actually there was no time. I just had to like do it. <laughs> and not not quetch over it and sweat over it and and then yeah jim absolutely then you get on set and you're free because you have it you have it in your in your bones
1: yeah Yeah. that's a really good point is that that i i i completely get that that that's i i the freedom comes from having it however it is drawn or written or whatever it is but the freedom comes from that bedrock of this is what I'm trying, because the, the, the fundamental thing for me is, you sort of, you need to know you, you, you when you see it. Do you know what I mean? You need to know when you're doing a shot that, that oh, that is the bit that I'm looking for. Because if you yeah. don't know what you're looking for, then you're absolutely screwed, so. And
2: also, I find that's absolutely right, but also I find if I've drawn it, um, I'll also remember, I'm sort of editing in my head as I go along, and I'm sure, yeah, we all do that. And um, and I'll remember the si- the sort of sizes of shots that I end a scene on, or, or the mood, or the tone, or something. And the little drawing just reminds me; it's like a little trigger, you know. Um, but but safety it's not safety a big net. Print. yeah, it's a safety net exactly. It's yeah. my it's my, okay. my 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 hard prep. It happens in here. Yeah. yeah. Actually, on the day when we're shooting, I feel light and joyous because <laughs> I can get on with it. Yes. Um, uh, another question from Paul Wilkins, which I think is really interesting. Could
0: you both say, and Koki, I'm going to ask you to go first, what was mm. the most challenging and or
2: satisfying sequence you directed on this? Let's go with challenging, maybe. Challenging. Um or could well, be satisfying. The arrest on the roof was pretty challenging because yeah. of the size of it, because of, you know, I had two scenes going on, one down below and one up on the top of the tower and I was losing light deliberately, but meant that I had to shoot it all really fast. And I had, I think, three cameras dotted around the estate shooting things. Um, And we had POVs from above to below and all of that to do. So that was challenging. Challenging also was um, the scene where Jodie falls in the swimming pool because she's not a strong swimmer. She can't swim, really. And we, you know, we had to shoot that for real. So it was a really, really I mean just physically a quite a frightening thing to do for her and for health and safety around her. So we had divers in the pool with her, she was weighted down, she was frightened because she was underwater, but we looked after her very, very carefully and we had lots and lots of training and run throughs and um you know dry runs, as it were, well, wet runs. Um but actually for me. I think really the, the the really the most satisfying bit that I directed in the whole of my block was um, Nellie finding Jody because because it's <laughs> I've <I'm> totally spoiled <laughs> it now for anyone. Sorry, guys, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, but but the, but that's really quite difficult to direct that stuff. It's it's because you you know you have to set up expectations and you have to see things, but you can't see them before Nellie does. Yeah, and, you, you know you have to be living it and breathing it at exactly the same time as he does and then I had to allow space for him to act his scenes. do you know what I mean so I couldn't be like rushing and panicking and nagging and none of that stuff was going on it had to be a very calm gentle process so that was definitely tough but but really satisfying I loved
0: that. I, I, that that sequence reminded me of that moment in Twin Peaks when you when you realize that Bob's at the end of the bed. It was just it was one of those moments where you just
2: you, you
0: everything runs cold in you because you think you you think have I see you, what you managed to pull off was as an audience member you thought did I see what I just think I saw did he see what he
2: just said? yeah, yeah. I thought, did I see it you know I know and we had big discussions in the edit you know Jess because um, we sit on the back of his head for a long time yeah. So you're thinking, did I see it? Yeah. Did he see it? What's yeah. What's happening here? And why isn't he turning round? I mean, that was really fun, really interesting. To brilliant. Do. And also, it was a it was a really fantastic culmination of the way that the
0: device sort of flashing to her as a young girl and as as a as a missing teen, the way he would see her and the way she would travel with him sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. you yeah. just thought, is it one of those? But you but she wasn't wearing the right top, and so yeah. You know, yeah. I know it was it's an extraordinary moment I mean hats off it's amazing
1: oh, thank
2: amazing. you it was fun to do exciting to do and so um so helped by the way by um by Sophia Lonzi, my editor she was absolutely brilliant and she's brand new this you know well you know Relatively brand new as an editor. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that, but you know she's on a very steep trajectory. it's
1: <laughs> yeah, beautifully put together.
0: What about you, Jim? Was there anything that you found particularly challenging or really satisfying?
1: Um, it, you know, um, I mean, we've talked about the pub and the roof. I mean, one scene that um, just in, a, in a very briefly that um, sticks out, I suppose, was um, also in the pub. Um, Lenny's character merely is is seeing in the earlier episodes is seeing visions of Jody, who's obviously not really there. And we we talked about that we didn't want to always do that in cuts, because obviously the obvious thing would be, you know, he sees her and you have a cutaway and and that. And and was there a way of doing it sort of in camera by moving the camera, obviously. And it, it we that was happening in a scene where he Lenny was really to sort of break down really and, and have a go at everybody in the pub and just have a complete emotional outburst. So you sort of had on one hand the kind of the, the storytelling, slightly technical thing, and, and then on the other hand, just the emotional kind of moment. And um, and then this all coincided as is always in a way with a glorious kind of like <laughs> all my fault, I'm sure, but a sort of half past six type situation where we sort of realised we only had time for one shot and um and we'd sort of envisaged it being one shot, but you sort of never really want to go into it thinking you've only got time for one anyway, do you? And um, <laughs> yeah. so we so that that stuck out because it, it because you you're really under pressure there. Because on the one hand you've got like the performance thing where as we were saying, you know, it's kind of precious, you know, yeah. Lenny's brilliant and he'll he'll find it you know to take two through something and then like with anything it'll be gone yeah but then, but then it's a moving shot and there's lots of people and and there's a sort of technical aspect and 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 obviously in a little pub shadows and all that kind of boring old crap and so that stuck out as something that was sort of satisfying because because Unlike a lot of you know, it was just a real moment of a real moment. Do you know what I mean? A it real, is. Oh, it worked. So okay. Brilliant. Bring the bring the a, a game. You know, everybody like bring the a game, and it was a good um sort of coming together of camera and effort, everything. Everything.
0: I also think. I mean, I, I, yeah, it was brilliantly done. But but there's that thing, and I really understand that. That directorially, you you're like, I'm going to take this big risk, but you often try and have a bit of a safety valve yeah. through of well, we'll do this. As well, just in case yeah. this doesn't work, and you know, you you want to believe it will work, but you also understand that it might not. But suddenly, you're yeah. in a situation of going, okay, now I have to say
1: it's going to work. I know, I know. People always take the piss out of me for that because I always say, "Oh, this is it," and then, but then always add in one or sometimes two or something because just for that reason, because yeah. you know, one is they can be brilliant, obviously, but yeah. like sometimes too often I've got to the cutting them and they're just not quite as fucking amazing as I think they are. And I think, mean, oh, God, if I just got this one other thing, then you could do so much. Well, there's a question <laughs>
0: here from um, Vanda who's asking, did you, did you both work with your editors in pre-production in terms of talking through any of your sequences or getting their inputs on what your process might be? Or did you, I mean, I presume you talked while you were shooting. Um, how do you work with your editors in that way?
2: I talk every day um, yeah. and I see cuts every day um and sophie um sophie totally mm. sort of slipped into the groove of that and is very very fast, very instinctive editor i didn't i didn't um i didn't particularly talk with her that much up front, although she did see my storyboards and and kind of enjoyed them and understood sort of vaguely what I was getting at um but but i i love um i love giving an editors a lot of creative freedom i loved her actually finding her own way through because i i I like to um i like to shoot scenes with lots of um ins and outs and options um Mm -hmm. and i'm always really interested to see what an editor is sort of what what's attracting them and what you know what what's the momentum they're going for in this scene and um i get bored really quickly so often um if i'm doing a developing shot i'll change it each time each take yeah And Sophie's just so brilliant. She just picked up on that and just loved it. Loved all the variety. And um, and then I get in the room with her and we start sort of digging in together. And I'll find things from the rushes that I really did want. Um, And she's kind of has strong views but is collaborative. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's good to have strong views. Though I like to have a tussle. I like for an editor to say, "No, I really, really think this works." Yeah. Um, because it's you know, it, we're the filmmaking's bigger than the sum of all of us and it's so great to have a new sort of injection of energy at that I, point.
0: Absolutely. And 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 that that's not a criticism of what you've done. It's a it's a oh, it's great. muscle of what the possible just how far can we push this material, what could we yeah. do if you shut yeah. down those voices coming in. You know, it's like any every note's a good note that you get in the edit, even if you even if he takes you down a road that you don't end up going down it's amazing what it can reveal to you I think
2: took a yeah. lot it took me a long time to just understand that fully you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah it's a, it's a process yeah.
0: listen thank you to both of you it's just coming up to 7 30 I'm just checking that there was was there anything else that you both oh there was one other thing I wanted to ask about because the use of music is so specific and rather beautiful in it, both the composite, the piano composition in particular, that's thematic throughout it, and yeah. then the use of contemporary music. Was that something that was both? Was that written in, or was it something that you both brought to it? Or how did how did that kind of musicality come to it? Because it's a big part of your edit too. Yeah,
1: the the, the one so we the one that we used. Um, obviously, it was. Um, uh, Stuff that had been written for the first season and and we just listened obviously you know it, it, it listened to everything that had been written, and that one piano piece seemed so yeah I really loved that piano it piece reject. I really loved it because it it and, and 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 then we we just saw. well we want to really delay it as long as possible, so that when it comes in um you know, not to use music in any way as sort of a crutch um, mm. and, and just to really delay it as, because it, it for me, it, it told his emotional journey and, and and we wanted to use it on a really where traditionally you would have had a sort of action score um, or su- supporting the thriller, you know, the, and um, so that's how that came about, really, um, but yeah, the storytelling
2: basically. is so robust, isn't it, Jim? That you can you can throw in a contemporary track, or you can throw in like we had a brilliant Mazzy Star song yes. in there, you know, which we just chucked in and we got the rights to. And you know what I mean? There's, there are moments where his writing is so robust, yeah, it can handle it, which is which is great. They're singing yeah. that out there, isn't
0: that a karaoke number that they do? Is that the Mazzy Star?
2: Mazzy stuff in my block was um, when Jodie comes back home.
0: Oh, that's right, that's right. But what's mm. the there's a karaoke that they do too? I might have mixed that up.
1: Yeah, that's in uh, the karaoke's in episode one. It's um, uh, Macy Gray. It's oh, Macy Gray.
0: Gray, that's yeah. right. It's Macy Gray and Macy that was something to pull off it was great Mm -hmm. well listen just huge congratulations to you both it's a beautiful beautiful series but for everyone watching if you haven't watched it please go and watch it um you're going to discover the work of two beautiful directors an extraordinary writer and the most amazing cast so please um Please going to do that someone saying how can i see it it's on sky if you're not a sky uh if you don't have sky you can watch it on now tv um which is a cheaper version sky's probably listening but it is and you can as it might be a more affordable way to do it um but that's that's the way you can access it at the
2: moment jess thanks so much you've been brilliant
1: yeah thank you jess amazing I'll we'll return the compliment i sometime. thank you
2: thank you
0: This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, Soundcloud, Spotify or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at
1: directors.uk.com.